Hell is where God says, have it your way. If someone will not have God, then they bring their own hell with them. If Christ is Lord, then he rules over how I watch TV, how I treat my children, how I treat my neighbors. He rules over everything. Oh, you're breaking his heart. No, he's going to break you. What's wrong with you people? I mean, this is what's wrong with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is. Give us some men who know the truth. Put on the full armor of God and pray, 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 and pray. Officer, you are not engaging in activity constitutional behavior. You don't know the law, and yet you pretend to represent it. Five Solos Studios presents Reformed Radio. Welcome back to Reformed Radio, everyone. Thanks again for tuning in. Uh, We are wrapping up our series over the five solas on this episode. Again, we have Mark Schooley here from the Five Solas Church, uh, and he's going to help us finish this out. And this week we're talking about soli deo gloria, which means to God alone be the glory. So why? Why did the Latin say that? (laughs) <laughs> why why did they use this term i just it's so strange it is strange isn't it um and the latin i don't know how important that is to us tommy I mean, <laughs> once again let's just get it right out there at the front we don't do it to try to sound smarter than everybody and it's right? not spanish and it, and it's, it's not, not spanish and <laughs> Saying it in Texan doesn't uh, kind of takes the <laughs> edge off the Latin anyway, right? Yeah, like, yeah, um, pig Latin now. Pig. <laughs> <laughs> yeehaw! Yeah, yeah. I don't say yeehaw though. That's kind of one well, word I don't use. Is yeehaw? And I you can't were born here. Right. I was. <laughs> well, we already know you have other complications with your <laughs> accent, so it's okay. <laughs> That's right. So, but we do use it. Uh, the reformers. Um, liked it and it's a good mental hanger okay and it, and it helps to bring this these thoughts down in a usable fashion that makes them easier to remember but solely Dale Gloria when you get down to it this is the one that everything else kind of funnels into it so we've mm-hmm. looked at sola fide faith alone we've looked at sola gratia grace yeah. alone sola scriptura the bible alone scripture alone and uh, Solus Christus, Christ alone. Christ alone. And these all funnel towards one end, one telos, one goal. They, fu- they, they point to and work towards, in all their endeavors, they work towards the glory of God and to mm-hmm. him alone. Right. Yeah. And that's why we use the Latin, just so we can try to promote the glory of God. <laughs> Right. It's even even in that you you're gonna find everything in this life, everything, you know, every thought, action, um, work, deed, um, condition of the heart, whatever it may be, it all needs to labor, point towards, work for, mm-hmm. consider, 
The glory of God. The glory right? of God. The glory of God alone. So one of the things we talked about earlier on in the series was we were saying how these are safeguards. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were kind of designed and set forth to just help prevent creepers from coming in underneath the door to try and in- influence the church in a wrong way. So is this also a safeguard? Or if it is a safeguard, what is it trying to prevent us from going into? Like, what is it doing uh, to keep us from getting off track? I would start, um, yes, I agree, you could call it a safeguard. Um, And I would say what it safeguards is my sinful nature from trying to usurp uh, either the position of God or the glory of God in my own pride. Mm. And it, and it, serves to keep me humble anytime well let's put it this way i should not be comparing myself with you right or uh, any of my friends my family and even really myself sometimes what should i measure myself against i should measure myself against uh, sola scriptura what the bible says Mm -hmm. as my measuring rod and i should measure it against god Right. That's where I ought to go against That's the Christ. Standard. That's the standard. He mm-hmm. is the standard of goodness. And so when we say he alone be the glory, to, to him alone be the glory, right? That that keeps me from trying to get a little bit of that glory. Yeah. Right. From yeah. trying to turn a little bit of that light towards myself. Yeah, trying to take some of that See? fame for yourself, right? Yep. You know, even even in the littlest part, I mean, doesn't in our more honest moments, don't we recognize that everyone tries to do that? Isn't yeah. that a, isn't that? I mean, that, that's what we talked about last week. Like we just, it's so easy to put Jesus in the back and, you know, here's a book, you know, here, keep busy. I, I got us. I know what to do. We're good. And so that is like the, the normal thing that we default to is let me do it myself. I, I can do this. Let, let my pride kind of creep in and take over. So, yeah. And we saw it in Sola Gratia as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, of course, I had a little bit of goodness in doing that, didn't I? Isn't a little piece of the glory mind, <laughs> you know, isn't it just a little piece? I mean, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll get to later where we share in the glory of Christ, right? As heirs with him, right? Oh, yeah. As part of the body yeah. of Christ, but... But it's his glory, and it all mm-hmm. goes to him, right? Yeah. So it's a safeguard against my own sinful nature. It's a safeguard against us corporately, wouldn't you say? I mean, we have a great church, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, but it's a small step from saying something like, I really love our church, to man, Tommy, you know, isn't our church glorious, at least in a in part, right? Isn't, yeah, it, isn't I mean, it a little I think better? Especially <laughs> as being reformed. And there you there's go. a tendency to look at other yes, churches sir. and go, mm-hmm. well, we're a little better than yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's that's not true. Right. We're all we're all sinners. We're all falling short of the glory of God. And yeah, we are pursuing perfection, but that doesn't mean we have it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so that's, yeah, that's a, a point that we all have to be careful with especially from a reform background to just watch, check your pride, check your check pride. Your pride. Uh, I think something, uh, it does regard to all things being to the glory of God. alone. I, I agree with that, but I think probably the most controversial, at least right now is it's in regards to salvation. 
because as we've talked about through this series is people don't like that mm-hmm. you know it's it there's always that like you talked about there's always a, oh, i did a little bit right i just i was somewhat good enough to make this choice or uh, there was something on me that God saw and there was favor of or whatever. I did something. I was better than my neighbor. That's the, that's the premise that's at the very back behind everything that can easily creep in, and that's a lie. And that's it's what this is all about is to say, no. <laughs> no, it's to God alone be the glory. It was not even, not even in salvation mm-hmm. can you take any credit for that because he's the one who took out the heart. He's the one who gave you the new heart. He's the one who put this, the desires to follow him in you and causes you to keep those statues. Like, it's all him. It's all him. And that's where, I, I don't know if you saw it. Somebody posted it um, online in our in our group thread. And uh, I, I'll try and look it up before we get done, But because I want to give him credit. He was, he was a great, great pastor, a great sermon. But he was talking about, you know, the guy on the cross— he looks over, and he was cursing Jesus, right? He's cursing Jesus, and then he's standing at the gates, and the, the angels are asking him, like, well, why are you here? He's like, I don't know. I didn't do anything, like, whatever. And then they're grilling him, and they're giving him all these complicated questions, and he's like, I have no idea what any of that means. You know, I don't know what this is talking about. What are, what are the five souls? I don't know. <laughs> he goes, the guy in the middle cross told me I could come. Yeah. You know, and that's it. That's the point is... We were invited and given the ability to do it mm-hmm. by God who keeps us walking in his statue. So it's awesome. And it's great that we finally get to finish this series on this high note, just giving it back to him throughout this whole thing. Do you have anything to add to that? Well, I would say, you know, like R.C. Sproul used to say a lot, the distinction of Reformed theology was never so much in theology proper, you know, the nature of God and his attributes and stuff. What he would say is that, you know, the Reformed theology is is very similar, if not identical, to other systematic theologies in that regard. The difference would be when you left that and went into soteriology and to other parts of systematic theology, we wouldn't forget our theology proper. So when we said God is sovereign, we kept him sovereign all the way through all of our doctrine. And mm-hmm. he said that would be the difference was, and I think that's what you were putting your finger on there, is when we get to salvation, we don't forget or look the other way on God's sovereignty mm-hmm. and therefore his glory that comes from that, yeah. right? That, that he is sovereign even over those areas that make us a little more uncomfortable it's it's very easy to say god's sovereign over everything when you're in theology proper yes when it comes then down to heaven and hell to real life and then having to deal with the emotions and the Mm. fallout of that Mm -hmm. yeah like and my own sinful nature yeah yep so then that's a distinctive there that we maintain his sovereignty even in the areas where it gets difficult and where we have to wrestle with our own pride, mm. and thereby we safeguard. I wouldn't say we we safeguard the glory of God. God doesn't need our help, Tom. Right? You know, right. He doesn't. I mean, <laughs> as capable as you are, young man, He doesn't need your help. Nope. At all, right? Nope. He is sufficient all in Himself. But you understand what I mean. We safeguard our own thoughts from. Um, 
restricting some glory from God and salvation. That's probably a better way to say it. Yeah. Yeah, I can, I can agree with that. You know, I think to kind of hit back on what you're alluding to there is those, the difficulties, the, the hard hearts when you're applying it to the real life. It's going, uh, we look at Romans 9.15, I will have mercy on who I'm at mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. Like, that's a hard concept, especially for a lot of people in the Bible Belt. Like, that's, I mean, if you told me that, you know, 10, 12 years ago, I'd be like, <laughs> What? <laughs> what, is, what does that mean? You know, yeah. God is love. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, what do you mean he's not going to have mercy on? <laughs> of course he's going to be merciful. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's always real friendly and kind. He never said anything mean. Nothing. <laughs> or upsetting. No. <laughs> <laughs> and then I started reading my Bible and I could see it more. <laughs> you, know? you just can't miss it, especially if you're reading the book of John. Like, it's just, mm-hmm. it's everywhere. But uh, that's the fact, is God is sovereign. And I think that sovereignty is important in this because it's, that is glorifying God. Because it is God's, everything is God's, the whole world, all aspects of it. And he is in control of it. And everything he does brings him glory. And so it's like we just need to enjoy that we get to be part of it and get to contribute in some ways and get to, to just be used by God in those ways. Not as robots, you know, mm-hmm. we talked about that before. Mm-hmm. We're not saying we're robots. But I think one of the things that is important to understand is the motives of the heart. And so we look at we look at Joseph. And so one of the famous scenes, you know, Joseph goes through all this hardship. He gets sold into slavery. He then gets put into prison for being wrongly accused for something he didn't do. And then he becomes like the second highest ruler in pretty much the world at that time. You know, right under the, the Egyptian prince or king or whatever he is. But he's right up there. And then what does he say to his brothers when they come in who had sold him into slavery to get all of this started? As for you, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. There's this intentionality behind that that we get mm-hmm. to see uh, that gets carried on throughout Scripture. Uh, especially we get to see it in many different types of um, Old Testament stories that we go through. And so I think there's a theme that we can jump on board there that's your intentions, what you're trying to do matters. It's an important part of this. And is it, let's bring God glory, or is it about me and fulfilling my, my desires or my mm-hmm. sins or whatnot? What do you think about that? Do you have anything to add to that? I just like, that's that's a pivotal verse in the Bible as far as I'm concerned, Genesis 50, 20. It tells us a lot. God has revealed a lot about himself in that verse. And I would just point out, you're exactly right. And piggyback on that a little bit to show that the intention there includes God's intention, right? It, it includes his thoughts on the matter, not that... He looked over there and he saw a bunch of evil going on and he said, okay, so I'll try to arrange this and gerrymander it in a way (laughs) and guide it towards a good end, right? Because I can finesse things really well. You know, I'm a great bridge player, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but that God has active intention behind it. It's not a surprise to him. (laughs) He's not reactionary. He is sovereign over all things and has ordained all things that come to pass, as Westminster would say, and that his intention is behind that. And that's a thought to wrestle with, you know, mm-hmm. kind of like Jacob wrestled 
uh, all night with God once yeah. upon a time, right? That's a thought to wrestle with that God is involved in all things and has ordained all that comes to pass. That revelation of God about himself results in the fullness of his glory, not a 90% glory. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. or a <laughs> <laughs> it's not partial there. Right? Not partial, not a 99.9999. So what is point zero 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 one of infinity that's a lot right <laughs> <laughs> so even if you try to rob him of that little piece of glory there by saying no that part's us right it's it's solely deo glory means it all goes to him to him alone every last bit of it you say he, yeah. he does not share his glory he it's one of the great arguments for the deity of christ they, that Christ shares the glory. Christ himself is glorious, mm -hmm. and God does not share his glory. Therefore, what can we conclude? That Christ is, is divine, that Christ has a divine nature, that he is God the Son in the flesh. So it's a great argument for the Trinity, even because God will not share his glory in that sense. Now, I, I dropped the mic, but it would break, and that would be bad. So <laughs> not gonna do, just, just imagine. <laughs> the virtual. It's over. <laughs> yeah, and, and mystery of all mysteries, you know, in the mystical union with Christ, we as his children, as heirs to the promise with him, are then going to reflect and share in the glory of God. See, it, it's... it's um, I love the Christian faith because it is so simple that a child can understand it. Yeah. A young child, yeah. very young child, can grasp that God is there and that Christ has died for their sins. It's that simple. But yet you can never plumb the depths of it. I know. You can Keep never going plumb and going. You the can't depths figure it all of out. it. Yeah, for eternity. You think you're going to be bored in heaven. I got news for you. You're not. <laughs> <laughs> there, the, because God is so deep and so glorious that you'll be fathoming um, those depths forever in, in his glory. Mm. You know, you, you see the pictures in the Bible. Um, pictures of heaven are given to us in a very restricted way because words cannot express um, how glorious God is and how what awaits us on the other side is beyond you know our understanding it's beyond our yeah. kin on this that's side, probably right? why John had so much trouble yeah exactly <laughs> yes you can't put it into words but what do you see in the word pictures you know the angels they they see the glory of God you know and what do they say? Holy, holy, holies. And, and, and John tells us they do it 24-7 and stuff, right? It's that, it is that, um, I guess the word to use is glorious. glorious. <laughs> <laughs> I know. figured you'd go there. Yeah, did good. you figure you it? All right. I'm pretty predictable, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, that's kind of the, um, that's kind of a positive example of God being in control. And I think a more... There's, there's two here, but here's one kind of headed to the really, really dark one, but a, a little bit harder one to, to handle is the king of Assyria. So the king of Assyria, God used to bring punishment upon Israel and upon his enemies and whatnot. 
And so God uses this king to accomplish his purposes, uh, which were not fun. They weren't positive. They weren't like before Joseph, he saves all of the world mm-hmm. through Joseph and these, t- these hard things. Well, now he's doing something that we would look and go, that's bad. God, why is God doing that? Why is, you know, we're putting God into a box where he's going to be sending in if we're not careful. And we, we put him in there. And then we see that God is, has the gall to punish the king for doing the things that he just told him to do. Mm-hmm. And again, we, if we look at that, we see that it was because the king boasted in what he did. His intentions were to do evil. Yeah. His intentions were the pride, the lust for power. That, that's what drove him to do all the things that God was using him for. And so again, that intentionality is there. And then the darkest one. We look at the, the death of Christ. Mm. I mean, there is no greater, more horrific thing that has ever happened in all the world, ever will, than That's Jesus right. dying on the cross. And it was 100% completely orchestrated by God himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's I mean, countless evidences and proofs that point to him moving things the way they needed to be and orchestrating them from the beginning of time to put Jesus on the cross when he did. Mm-hmm. And he held himself there, you know. And so, again, there's those people that put him on the cross wanted him to die. And God was not restraining them as he had been throughout their their whole history of Israel. And so, again, there's that intentionality. And that intentionality is what what gets us. You know, that's where we look at the heart. The heart is desperately wicked. All we do is evil. <laughs> John 3, we all know John three sixteen, but if you keep going, it talks mm-hmm. about we love darkness. We love darkness. That's why Jesus had to come, mm-hmm. to save us from ourselves, to save us from the desires we had, to give us new desires to glorify him. Got anything there that you think yeah, I missed? You know, so uh, what Acts chapter 4 explicitly says that the cross occurred by the set determination of God, right? In, a, in accordance with evil men that put him to death, right? So you had the intentions of the evil men that planned this and did it intentionally, but you also it occurred by the set determination of God, mm-hmm. as I would argue through the covenant of redemption before the world began, and God had ordained it all the way back there. So it's you are absolutely right. It's the most evil act that's ever occurred, expressly because it was an innocent man. The who, only innocent man thank you thank you for that correction the only innocent <laughs> man right um that that suffered that evil but in it do you not see the glory of god oh, yeah. does not that evil it's it's very strange to say it but does not that evil shine forward in the glory of god i, I don't think there is a brighter moment in all of time Mm -hmm. than that which was the darkest which was the darkest when darkness covers the face of the earth and the wrath of god is placed upon his son and the cross and christ are consistently referred to as glorious you know Um, even as the son had shared the glory with the father before the world began you know in that moment the glory of god is is set forth in the most evil act that's ever occurred. Yeah. 
right? So then to come back and look at my life and say, oh, you know, God's, you know, God's a meanie and stuff because <laughs> of all this. I'm like, well, you be, you better, you better grab your tongue there, you know, <laughs> um, and, and be careful. I think we're, we're very loose and flippant in our speech these days. Yeah. And, and we probably need to restrain our tongues a little bit more, especially when it comes to these matters, right? And acknowledge that the Bible is very clear that God is glorious in his sovereignty and in all things. Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned the king of Assyria. That's one example of many in the Bible, right? You, you mentioned Romans 9 earlier. And why does he say he raised up Pharaoh? For the, his will. the very purpose of displaying his glory. Yeah. Right? Expressly put by Paul, right? Um, there's Cyrus, God's chosen instrument, the Persian king that would come and destroy the Babylonians. There's the Babylonians, which was told to one of the prophets, Lord, where are you? I mean, there's these people, you know, well, I raised up the Babylonians yeah. for, the, for the purpose of punishing <laughs> my people, and then I will destroy them. You know, it's... Um, and then the so, prophet was saying, oh, wait, wait, maybe, maybe you don't need to do that. Maybe you can be a little kinder. Kind don't do that to us. Right. <laughs> Which we do need to plead. God wants us to plead on behalf, um, certainly of his people, right, for these things. But then you have all, you just have all kinds of these examples. You have, I mean, Judas is a good example. Mm, yeah. You know? Judas is a good example, the son of perdition, right? This was not a surprise. It's a surprise to us in the narrative the first time we read it, right? Yeah. But it's not a surprise to Christ, and it's not a, certainly not a surprise to the Father who has ordained all things. Right, and that's that's a that goes back into that hard to swallow part because you're saying, well, God had ordained and planned for Judas to betray the Christ. Yes, from the beginning. From the beginning. And we look at that if if you don't look at it from the right perspective, you go. Oh, poor Judas. He had no choice but to do these mm-hmm. terrible things, and then he's just the worst ever. The, no man would be more cursed than him. Well, then you have to go back and look at it through the lens of Scripture and go, but he did what he wanted to. What he wanted he to He wanted to betray Christ. Mm-hmm. He wanted to continue to be a, a sinner, to, continue, to steal. You know, We already got an insight that, no, he was taking coins. <laughs> we know he wasn't a good money keeper. Like, he wanted to do what he did. And uh, again, goes right back to that intentionality, and it's God alone gets the glory. God, God alone. alone gets the glory for even His <clears throat> horrific acts against the Father. Mm-hmm. Well, nobody ever acts against their strongest desire in any choice, right? Everyone chooses. You say well, He wanted to do that. We never do anything that we don't want to do. We always act in accordance with our strongest desire at any moment. Right, classic Jonathan Edwards, um, and Judas certainly was acting in accordance with his strongest desires. That's yeah. what he yeah, wanted. Yeah, that's, that's a good point to bring up because mm-hmm. it's so easy. I think for us in this time, it we're so emotional. You know, we yes. emote everything, and it's all about your feelings. And I think that's kind of a scapegoat kind mm-hmm. of mentality. I can go well. This emotional situation was just the reason why I did it. I didn't want to do it. Mm -hmm. But your point is, well, yeah, 
you did want to do it for whatever reason. For whatever reason. Maybe it was a, a, a less painful repercussion. There you, go. there you go. Or it was money or you know, whatever the situation Yeah, I gave was. my wallet to the to the robber, but that's I didn't want to do that, but I didn't want to die more. <laughs> right. I didn't want to get shot more. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, that's a good and point. and who does what they want all the time? Also, certainly me and you do. Yeah, okay? no question about it. But who really does what they want all the time? God. God. Yeah. God's will is freer than ours. Okay. Yeah. And He certainly accomplishes His will and chooses what He wants. Mm-hmm. You know, and His word never comes back void. Yeah. See, it really does not. I'm going to throw you a curveball here. Okay. See if you're ready for this. Are you gonna hang it or snap <laughs> one over? <laughs> we'll see if you can catch it. Okay. Right. So uh, I've talked to you about this before, I think. But um, so we're talking about God getting the glory alone, and so I know this is a debatable conversation here. But we look at the beginning of everything. We go back to the garden, mm-hmm. and we look at why did God even allow Adam and Eve to sin? Why did they fall? I mean, I I think it was to glorify Him. Mm-hmm. And then what greater way could God be glorified than to show mercy? Mm-hmm. And where would you get mercy if it was not for having to have a punishment to save you from? I mean, mercy, you can't have mercy in a vacuum. If you're not going to have a punishment put upon you, there's no mercy. And I, I feel like that is one of the greatest ways that God has been glorified is through, is through, through showing mercy. What do you think about that? Well, I think you've already answered it to a large degree, right? But can I read you um, a very difficult scripture that addresses this point? Go ahead. And, and it's one, a lot of people are very uncomfortable in hearing this, but uh, we, should, we should apply the full counsel of God's word. And so to your question, just just hear what Paul says about this. Um, What if God, choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath, prepared for destruction? What if he did this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy, whom he prepared in advance for glory, even us, whom he also called. Is that not what your answer just was? What if he allowed all this? What if he ordained all of this to make the riches of his glory known to the objects of his mercy? Mm. I think that's what I heard you just say. (laughs) (laughs) So much for the (laughs) curveball. Well, I mean, Paul's a good hitter. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, that is true. Yeah. Are you an object of his mercy? Yeah. Okay. And when you pray, especially late at night when nobody's around, it's just you and God, and you're in the presence of this eternal glory, this infinite glory, this beauty beyond measure, Tommy, this being that is so glorious, he's beyond comprehension, right? When you are in that presence, do you not say, Lord, why me? You're, why did you have mercy on me? I mean, I'm, I, I'm that, the sinner on the other cross. Yes, exactly. And that makes known to you what? Just how the glorious he is. glories of mercy. his grace, yes. Yeah. See? And so we can't, 
like Calvin said, where God's mouth is shut, so will mine be, right? Mm -hmm. That's to paraphrase. Um, but that gives us enough to know that what you're saying is, is part of the answer of why he did it is because he is making the riches of his grace and his mercy and his love known okay, to the mm -hmm. objects of his mercy and because it declares the glory of God and all things work to his glory. We know that for sure. Why did yeah. he do it? Because all things work to his glory. So if it's a thing, <laughs> it works to his glory, you know? So... Was the uh, here's a, here's one. A lot of people aren't gonna like this at this term point in time. Was the the mass shooting down the street? Was that to God's glory? So, yes, but let's make a good distinction. Okay, we never call evil good, mm. and we never call good evil. Okay, uh, we call evil evil, and it's horrible. And it's disgusting, and it's heinous, mm, it's abhorrent, yeah. it's an abomination. Evil is always evil, and it's always, it's always horrible, right? So we never say, no, that's good because it's for God's glory. No, it's evil. Okay? We, all, we all be careful to make that. But that it exists somehow is a good that will work to the glory of God. You see the distinction there? Mm -hmm. The shooting, no, the shooting's not good. Never will be. It's horrible. It's evil. But that it's there somehow in ways me and you in our finitude can't on this side of the veil see through. We see through a glass darkly now. Mm -hmm. But that it's there is going to work to the glory of God. Right. Okay. That Joseph's brother's... Okay, as you quoted Genesis fifty twenty earlier, as Joseph's brothers meant it for evil, God intends it for good, right? So the shooter, um, in divine concurrence, which this touches on, this the way in which God interacts with His creation and and especially the um, uh, choices of humans, okay. God is always involved, but he's morally blameless and pure. And any evil that occurs comes from the creature because it's like you said, the brothers intended it, right? Mm -hmm. it, the king of Assyria intended this evil, right? right? Um, Babylon intended evil, even though they were coming as divine harbingers of justice. They're doing it out of their own evil. See, and God's always concurrent with his creation in this. Because what's truly frightening to me is to imagine that that school shooting happened and nobody's behind it, Tommy. Yeah. Now, maybe we struggle a little bit, to, if we're honest, to answer that question fully, right? I've given a partial answer, but I'm not God, so I can't give you the full answer. But what terrifies me is to think there's nothing at the bottom of it. Mm. There's no one behind it, that it's just this random thing that's occurring and people are getting slaughtered and there's no reason for it at all. And that's what you're left with if you deny that God is involved. Purposeless evil. Purposeless evil. Or 
the word of faith approach to say, well, God's kind of taken his hands off this world because this is the devil's world and the devil's behind everything bad and God really can't do anything about it. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's bad too. That's, that's very that's, common. You know? yes, well, God it didn't is. want God. that to happen. Yeah. You know, he just, you know, yeah, he didn't he just, want it. Uh, you know, for some reason, he couldn't he stop couldn't it. couldn't stop it. It's, so if that's your God. He's trying as hard as he can to. Then how is he going to do anything for you? Right. You know, and that's the problem with that. Mm-hmm. That kind of viewpoint is. I use the word. I use the word repugnant for both of those. Mm. They're they're. Um, it stinketh. Yes, thank you, <laughs> thank you. Before I go too far. <laughs> but to know what we're going to talk about, it I'm sure before we're done here, to know deep down that whatever befalls me in this life, whether I bring it on myself or it happens to me, okay. To know that the God of glory is behind it is a comfort beyond words. Yeah. It's a comfort that carries me through all of this stuff. And not only that, not only um, does it have meaning and purpose, but part of that is that I know, I believe you were going to talk about this in a little while when you can talk about pain, okay? That that pain serves something good. Yeah. Something infinitely good. Yeah, that, now that's a comforting thought. When I'm when I step on a nail, <laughs> that's a comforting thought, right? <laughs> there is hope. It's coming. <laughs> right. This this pain is serving to the glory of God. Yeah. That was a that was I really got introduced into this when I started thinking about how my mother was sick all the time growing up. And I probably mentioned this on the show, but you know, that that was a little hard because some of the circles I was in, they would say, well, it's because your your mom doesn't have enough faith, she's a sinner, uh, whatever the uh, case is. Yep. And it was like, I don't think so. You know, I just, I don't think that's the case. And um, as I matured and grow through all this and learned, I started going, it's to glorify God. It's to glorify God. You know, God works all things for the good of those who love him. Mm-hmm. Right? And that was a hard thing. That's not a fun thing, but it worked out for my good. I got to see and glorify God in seeing this happen with my mother. Uh, I got to see uh, and glorify with the death of people that I knew mm-hmm. or people going through really difficult hardships. You know, these are all moments where I can go back and, and go, there's comfort in knowing that God is getting all the glory here. Mm-hmm. There's comfort in that because there's no purposeless evil. There's no purposeless pain. You know, there's nothing that's happening that's outside of God's control. And like you said, if that if that was your God, if God can't stop the bus from hitting your grandma, like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what do you think he's going to do for you in anything? How is he going to save you? Mm-hmm. How can you have salvation if that's how weak your God is? And that's not my God. That's that, not the God of the Bible. That is not the God of the Bible. He is in control and capable and is more than able to save us mm-hmm. and redeem us, especially in regards to salvation. And he has, since you're, you keep coming back to this idea of intentionality, his intention towards his people is love and goodness and care and mercy and compassion. Yeah. He, he has a good intention towards his people. Right. Yeah, and he, like you said, I think Sunday was discipline. Mm-hmm. God disciplines those He loves, and mm-hmm. that's 
that's not a bad thing to have to be disciplined. <laughs> hey, <laughs> don't feel good, but hey. One way you can know if you're not saved is if the Father just lets you do whatever you want to do at any time and never stops you. See? Because yeah. he disciplines those whom he loves. He has good intentions towards you. And they're all to his glory. See? That is a comforting thought all on its own right there. Now that is a comforting thought. Yeah. This has been a great discussion. I thank you so much, Tommy, for these getting these episodes in. This has been great fun. I really, mm-hmm. really enjoyed it. I, yeah. You have so much talent putting these things together. It's amazing. Yeah, it's okay. been a lot of fun. Yeah, and I and I appreciate all your hard work yeah, on putting it. Putting a tap on your your information <laughs> and resources has been it, a big blessing. It's I think. plenty plenty good. Yeah. So, but let's let's also talk then when we say solely Deo glory. This this has great ramifications also for who God is and our conceptions of God when we can can actually ascribe glory to God. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Eastern thought, that's really difficult to do if you could do it at all, right? Because glory, a God who can be glorious and assume glory and ascribe have glory ascribed to him and glory be part of his nature glory is an attribute of god as we understand it yeah. okay well that doesn't work for an impersonal force it doesn't really work for the impersonal god of hinduism for example or eastern conceptions of god right where god is everything but you don't really say he, right, because it's impersonal, yeah. right? It, so it's hard to really ascribe glory to that. It's it's hard to ascribe glory to existence or electricity or any anything like that. You know, the the idea of glory is really personal. Hmm. That someone could be glorified. See, um, if if whoever's watching this is a Star Wars fan, right? It's it's kind of hard to glorify the Force, right? May the Force be with you, right? Um, and that's yeah, all great. And there's stuff. nothing to attribute it to, right? Like, yeah, I mean, even midichlorians, right? They just don't really take on glory, right? That's really reserved for personal gods, and in our case, what we would call a personal god who can have glory ascribed to him mm-hmm. that glories in the glory so to speak because he's personal they and and is able to be glorified it, it really is a distinction when you come to your conception of god right and what what you're going to believe in and or as we would say it better who you're going right. to believe in we believe in a god that can be glorified not an impersonal force. Okay? You have the, a personal God who wrote a personal book and personally cares. Yes, exactly. <laughs> For you, his child, mm-hmm. right? That great comfort we were talking about. The Holy Spirit of the Jehovah's Witnesses is a personal is an impersonal force. It's like electricity. Can't be glorified. I guess right? I can't say glory anymore when I turn the lights on. <laughs> glory! <laughs> You got that one down. <laughs> you got to extend it out a little bit more, man. Just really throw you, you know, your chest into glory. <laughs> Taking you back to your roots. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I got to cut that back a little bit. All right. Okay. <laughs>
that. I'm fine with it. But uh, I'll just say glory because God has given me the electricity. <laughs> so I know there's people out there that do that. And that's you said it earlier. We need to stop being so flippant with our language and and we remember that this is about glorifying God and all mm-hmm. that we do. And so we can't just say things like glory <laughs> to an impersonal thing. We, Amen. We're saying glory to God. To God. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's still funny in the moment. But. Hey, I'm I'm all for having fun and laughter, man. You know, all for it. <laughs> you know, but uh, at the same time, it's good for us to keep our mind on not being flippant about certain things. Yeah, um, and then just say like um, the God of Islam, right? Now, the God of Islam's personal, but he's very far off he's very remote he is unknowable in a lot of ways he's Mm. he's distant and he's a lot harder to glorify because he is the kind of worker that amazon is trying to get rid of right now (laughs) (laughs) we let you have a remote job you went to fiji you haven't come back and you keep working there (laughs) yes exactly yeah Mm-hmm. That's a good way to put it. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's, all right. If we're going to write a systematic, all right, let, let's, okay. Under, under Allah, right? Okay. Now we'll get shot or something. <laughs> uh, Amazon worker. Okay. <laughs> you could interchange yeah. that with Google too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's good. So yeah, so very, very remote and hard to ascribe glory to, right? So even the idea of glory, and we're getting into the attributes of God there, this one is very specific to the Christian God as described in the Bible, right? Um, That can express glory, that desires to be glorified, okay, that, that, um, that tells us that glory is a part of his being, an infinite glory. That sets the Christian God apart from other gods. Sets it apart from the God of Mormonism, right? Mm-hmm. Who lives on a planet somewhere, you know? That's, uh, it's really specific to the Christian God. It really is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, thanks again for being on for this whole series it's been a lot of fun and i'm sure we'll have more episodes to come out with something new but mm-hmm. for now that's it so we are signing off for this season we hope you enjoyed it and uh, we'll get back to you later y'all have a great month soli deo gloria soli deo gloria god alone be the glory mm-hmm.